This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. This is Lando Calrissian, and you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. And what a nice scuttlebutt it is. We would be honored if you would join us. All right. Thank you, everybody. Thank you again for joining us on another episode of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. And uh, we're trying something new today. Brad and I had an idea to create a show or a series of shows called the Citadel Tower Transmissions. And it's basically a couple of different Star Wars topics that uh, we might not be able to tease out into a complete show. So we've got a couple of topics that uh, are kind of short, uh, but I asked uh, our friends over at Coruscant Radio Underground to join us. And uh, guys, thank you very much for joining me on this topic. Uh, you know, Brad had asked for the night off. He was talking about Imperial Credits, Canto by Casinos, and a very friendly Ula girl. So I don't know what his evening is like to, tonight. So thank you guys for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent, excellent. How are you guys? Uh, before we started, I, I noticed that you guys are everywhere. Um, little guest spots on on a lot of uh, shows. I caught you guys last night with uh, Steve and Charlie, uh, part of our Red 5 team. How did that go? Oh, that went great. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was good to get over there and catch up with those guys and uh, record with some, some other people we hadn't really recorded with yet from the network and... Uh, yeah, it was all all good. It was a it was a good show. Awesome. Yeah, I was I I've been catching up with uh, I think Pod Wars had something going with uh, conversations. Pat and Charles did doing their Red Five missions on Droid, so that was uh, a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, pretty cool. Love the fact that uh, we're all uh, doing our thing, but we're kind of doing it together. So it's uh, it's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Citadel Tower Transmissions, we got uh, topics that uh, I've been speaking with uh, a couple of friends of mine, um, which kind of prompted this. Uh, we've got uh, something that's always interested me. And, you know, I, I, I always talk about how, uh, you know, kind of the some of the things in Star Wars that are not, you know, up and front and center um, in the story that always seemed to intrigue me, like, uh, you know, you got all the stuff in Solo that talks about the underworld and the criminal element and, and obviously the politics of the prequels. Um, all that stuff is fascinating to me. But, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, the droids and the ships and the lightsaber battles and, and all the, the bigger than life characters. But something, you know, some things in Star Wars are kind of in the background that uh, I don't think a lot of people really talk about. And um, one of the things definitely for me that I find very interesting, you know, it deals a little bit with politics um, in Star Wars, but it's uh, the fact that uh, the Death Star and some of the 
actions that uh, the empire, uh, you know, were part of uh, were kind of done in secret. Um, and when it comes to building uh, a planet killer, a device such as the Death Star, you know, it, it's it's something that the rest of the galaxy didn't realize was happening. It was happening under their noses. And again, I, I think it's something that um, that really isn't talked about. Um, there's a couple of episodes of Rebels and Clone Wars that kind of deal with, you know, hinting at, at what was going on. But is that anything else? Uh, am I the only weirdo that thinks about stuff like that? That's all all really interesting with all the, you know, secretive stuff. And I, I think that with the Emperor in particular, with his planning and everything. I think we see more of that in the aftermath books where we're not dealing with the Death Star anymore, but he had this whole other operation that only a few key people knew about for if something happened to him. And so you really see this in order to, because he's always pulling strings and tricking everybody and to do that, everybody can't know everything he's up to. And so it's interesting to see the way the Emperor has compartmentalized these big projects to keep even other people within the ranks. Uh, but that's from, how from militaries work. Going. Yeah. Like, I mean, the stuff that come, every once in a while, it's like, you know, huge, you know, declassification, you know, and all of a sudden it's like you see all the stuff that they were working on in the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. You know, things that... It's like, oh, well, maybe that's where some of those, you know, UFO stories come in. Um, you know, things that they were that they were working on that I mean, how do you keep something that huge a secret for decades? Sure. But they do it, you know, and especially and if they can pull it off with only one planet, you know, like if you had a whole galaxy's worth of planets to hide on, I mean, just imagine the secrets that militaries could keep. That's kind of a scary thought. Yeah. And that's probably why Brad's not here, because we'd probably grill him and talk to him and ask him uh, <laughs> about what secrets he's keeping. But uh, mm -hmm. but uh, I digress. So, you know, there's an episode in Rebels called The Ghosts of uh, Geonosis. Okay, Chop, put command through. <laughs> Senator Organa. I wanted to explain the mission personally, Captain Sindula. There is much at stake. How can we help? Rebel Command received your report on the apparent disappearance of the Geonosian people. After some debate, we decided to take a risk and investigate. So, we're looking for... The thing that interested me when I first watched that episode was the fact that, you know, the crew of, of Rebels, they head back to Geonosis, and obviously the planet that was featured prominently in the prequels uh, trilogy, right before, you know, they started the, the construction of the Death Star... Um, they go back to this planet because I think uh, at the time, uh, who was it? Was it late? No, it was uh, Senator Bail Organa. Uh, they were trying to figure out why they lost contact with a uh, team of specialists that went down there. You know, once the Rebels crew got there, they realized that uh, some of the, uh, the structures that were observed uh, orbiting that planet were gone. The construction modules and debris we saw last time, it's all gone. Well, I'm picking up a... And the structures were kind of, I guess, the framework of the Death Star. But then the big whopping news was the fact that there was no life on the planet. And um, 
I think it was glossed over. I, again, it's it's something that I don't think a lot of people are, are, are have been talking about. The fact that uh, the the empire at the time, or the uh, the republic, I guess uh, was it the empire? I can't remember the right before, but they wiped out a, a a species completely in order to keep that secret. And I that is like mind boggling to have done that. I mean, talk about. Yeah. You know, adult themes and adult topics. Uh, that's some heavy stuff for a cartoon. It shows up in uh, Resistance too. We see a planet where the uh, the First Order has clearly just killed everything alive on the planet. So yeah, it's it's really uh, there's a lot of things actually. Rebels, I think Filoni's always done a pretty good job of. You know, it's a kids show, and so he doesn't really delve deeply into these heinous acts but you know for the adults watching you know he kind of gives you little glimpses into these kind of really dark things going on in the galaxy yeah you you talk about uh you know dropping some of these story elements they're there and obviously you know the uh complete destruction of a species uh is some heavy stuff and and he's not afraid to kind of you know not only hint at it but like you said Mm In uh, Resistance, it's there. You see the, uh, you know, that that episode where they go, you know, inside the cavern in the middle of the of the planet, and it's just hollowed out. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, we we know uh, that uh, Starkiller Base was uh, kind of part of that experimentation or the the process. Um, but it's it's interesting to me. And then getting back to the uh, the original trilogy, uh, and just really how the empire works uh, in secret. You've got the the Imperial Navy out there doing stuff and out in space, and you've got the core worlds and the 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 people, the the citizens, the ga- the galactic citizens that are part of the the Senate. Um, and we see obviously that uh, the way that works politically in the prequels. But you know, you've got Vader um, who in A New Hope you know, uh, boards Leia's ship and tries to find the stolen Death Star plans, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he tells one of his commanders... Send a distress signal and then inform the Senate that all aboard were killed. Even early on, and this is before any of the extra material, you see this in the first movie, you see this in the first act, how, you know, Darth Vader and the rest of the Empire are really working on another level as far as the deception goes, as far as mm-hmm. the political maneuvering goes. And, and obviously this is way even before we even knew about the empire, the emperor uh, and, and who Palpatine was, but I mean, it was all there already. Yeah, right? absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, it's always kind of interesting to see George Lucas's knack for kind of recreating like real world scenarios, you know, that really atrocious things happen in war. And, you know, obviously this is a, a galaxy far, far away, right? And it's, but, you know, events happening all over the galaxy. Um, and I think that's part of his understanding, you know, kind of of how actual life works, how the yeah. world works. Um, you know, he's just sort of transferring that, you know, and, and tweaking it a little bit. But I, I think it's part of his uh, political commentary going yeah. on there. Well, the the level of deception the emperor has going on and just his, his kind of inner circle, because really right up to a new hope, you know, the people, the, everybody, the military officers sitting there around the table still talking about, well, the Senate will never allow it. And it's right. like, you know, so during all of that stretch of time, 
the emperor has like let the senate continue to believe that they have power some sort of power yeah. mm -hmm. the rebellion will continue to gain a support in the imperial senate the, the imperial senate will no longer be of any concern to us i have just received word that the emperor has dissolved the council permanently the last remnants of the old republic have been swept away and it is, you know, we talk about it all the time, how Palpatine is working not only in the shadows, but he's, uh, you know, 10 steps ahead of everybody else. Yeah. And that scene in A New Hope where you mentioned, uh, you know, how, you know, uh, Gar uh, Grand Moff Tarkin comes in and says the, the Senate has been dissolved. The last remnants of the old Republic are gone. I mean, it, you know, it, it really shows you how at that point in time, you know, us as fans watching the film, we're like thrown into this um, this political uh, intrigue story that uh, that were that is fascinating to me. And I think, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a, a lot of people, like I said, a lot of people are really, you know, concentrate on the spaceships and the adventure. And that's great. But there's there's so much more. Um, to this part of the story. So, you know, and then getting back to, again, Vader, uh, another one of his little, uh, you know, uh, power plays, and obviously at the direction of Palpatine because he's the one pulling the strings. In Rogue One, when Jedha is destroyed, he tells Krennic, There is no Death Star. The Senate has been informed that Jedha was destroyed in a mining disaster. Yes, my lord. I expect you not to rest until you can assure the Emperor that Galen Erso has not compromised this weapon in any way. Again, it's just, you know, there that film was done so many years after A New Hope, you know, uh, after Star Wars, that, that that narrative is still being, you know, thread through this mm -hmm. film. And it's something that they were able to kind of carry through. And, and I don't know if it were, if it was by accident or, you know, they really, I, I don't know, somebody just really understands the, the, the internal workings of the empire as it relates to the rest of the galaxy. And that's, uh, it, it's a fascinating concept in, in a world of, of, of fiction that star, that is Star Wars. And I, I find that intriguing. You know, you see, you know, it's kind of interesting, especially now that they've gone back and done so much with Anakin Skywalker, you know, he was never, hesitant to sort of like bend the rules and be like yeah that didn't happen you know you know like sort of like spin the story you know and so you still see that you know later as in his vader persona you know it's like oh it was a mining accident oh you know it was you know he's still like spinning those same kinds of really plausible stories you know of these these terrible things that happen and it's almost more chilling these really practical in plausible scenarios he comes up with it's like he just like just makes them up it's like who's that cold that they just have a, an offhand explanation for genocide after genocide it's just a, it's fascinating and again just you know backtracking to what george lucas uh you know wrote back then um and how how great it is that they're still kind of stringing those elements into it. Um, you know, getting back to that Rebels episode, uh, they did manage to find uh, Saw Gerrera, a uh, character that appeared in the Clone Wars all the way through Rebels. And finally, we got to see the uh, real world version, live action version in Rogue One uh, through the uh, fantastic work of Forrest Whitaker. Um, it, it's kind of tragic, the fact that he was, he was on the cusp 
of really finding out what the Empire was doing. I mean, all through his life, since his sister died in, in Clone Wars, he really was on the edge of discovering what the Empire was doing. Can you guys talk a little bit about your reaction to him as a character and then just really reacting to, you know, it's just kind of a bummer to kind of see that, you know, obviously we know what happens to him in Rogue One, but he really never, he really never got to to find out the the fruits of, of his labor as far as what the Empire was going through. Yeah, the more I hear, the more I don't like this. We should go back and report to Hera. Back? No, wait, you can't. That bug is the key to finding out what's going on here. Don't you understand what's at stake? We know the Empire wiped out the entire population of this planet. We need to find out why. The Empire is hiding something, something important, and that bug knows what it is. Yeah, Saul's a very interesting character. Uh, Some of his parallels to Vader are, are really, really interesting, where he's continuing to, to fight for, you know, he, he's fighting for what he believes is right, but much like Vader, he will do it at any cost. And it sort of cost him his soul before it's all said and done. You know, it's, it's, he's, he's still fighting for the side that we believe in. You know, he's fighting for the side of, of, of good, but you know, even the other, the other rebels kind of had to push him aside and say, we don't agree with what you're doing. Um, and I and I do find his, you know, kind of his story arc is very similar to, to Darth Vader. He just never totally, it's just the side that he's on affects the way you, you view him. Yeah. If he were on the other side, we he, he, we would feel very differently about him. You know, he, he wouldn't be a freedom fighter. He'd be a terrorist. Yeah. And, you know, again, just depending on the propaganda, I mean, you know, one one uh, organization's terrorist is another's freedom fighter. And we talked about that uh, yeah. in previous episodes of the Scare podcast. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, it's uh, all how you look at it from a certain point of view. I say we help Saw. Hmm. I second that. Okay. We can stay in search for the bug, but we have to warn Hera about the droids first. I can help you with that. And he's, he's so tragic. You know, he's such a tragic character because, like, no one sets out to become a bitter zealot who dies before accomplishing their mission. Like that's not, you know, that's such a, tra- you know, and especially seeing him kind of, like you said, like with Vader, you know, you like, you see him when he's, he's young and he's, you know, idealistic. And then you see the tragedy that sort of turns him into who he is. Um, but yeah, again, he's a, he's a very like, you know, Darth Vader's a little over the top, like, you know, people don't really like become just like that, but like people sure enough turn into Saul Guerrero that that sort of trajectory his life takes. It's like, that's, that's a real thing that like happens to real people. Um, and it is, he's, he's such a tragic figure, you know, cause he's, he's got, he's heroic in a way, you know, he's got his, his creed and his, um, you know, his, his honor system, but, um, you know, and he's in, in the end, he's just, he's, he's going to stay and he's, you know, on on his spot is it you know is disintegrates he's he's morally compromised yeah i mean that's really one of the things that lucas always excelled at giving us was despite the what he lacked in the ability sometimes to write dialogue he wrote because he i've always said lucas thought he was shakespeare he told shakespearean tragedies very well 
<laughs> he doesn't always hit a home run with the dialogue, but he, the man can write a Shakespearean tragedy style tragedy yeah. very, very well. Yeah, he's he, he's a better, bigger picture. Um, uh, like he, he can imagine the bigger picture, but when it comes down to the microcosm, like you said, yeah. the the writing is is where. But yeah, it's it's really interesting. And Saw Gerrera is definitely one of those interesting characters that uh, definitely pulls parallel from Vader. Anakin Skywalker is very Hamlet esque, mm-hmm. you know, in a lot of ways. That you know, it's like, is he crazy or is he just really, you know, that obsession? Obsession is a, a dangerous thing, and uh, yeah, Shakespeare dealt well with some of that. Absolutely. So any other final thoughts on uh, just how the Empire creates the, its, uh, its power structure through secrecy before we get to the next topic? I know, um, uh, you know, it's just it's definitely a fascinating topic for me, uh, per se. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm glad I, I got to kind of tease it out with you guys. It's very, very interesting. And it's, it's really critical to all the things that the Emperor and Vader were able to do in the way that they compartmentalize. Because nobody signs up for that kind of evil. Right. And it's like the Senate, like we're talking about the Senate's over there and they think they're still mm-hmm. have some power. And in knowing that they wouldn't agree with the things that, that the empire is doing behind closed doors. And, you know, but he manages to keep those people all in power are are all in check with the illusion of, of power Mm -hmm. while he's still building this grand machine of his own. And I think that's what makes Palpatine one of the most powerful characters of the star Wars saga. Not because, Mm -hmm. You know, not because he's got force lightning coming out of his fingertips, but he, he uh, you know, he, pl- he he plays that long game and he plays yeah. it to win. Um, yeah, he does. And, uh, you know, we, we definitely have seen that, uh, you know, come to come to play here. I find your lack of faith disturbing. Hey, Scuttle Buddies, Roe here. I just want to say a heartfelt thank you to our patrons, wonderful folks who have found it in their hearts to support what we do. We're lucky to have you. Folks like Amanda, Jedi Caligula 89, Joey Rosales, the Salty Crew at Salty Nerd Podcast, Alex and Matt, super fan of all pods on the Red 5 Network, Nicholas Schaefer, big thanks, Nick, Chad at Hyperspace and Holocrons, and Jay from Florida. If you want to be even more involved in the scare of Scuttlebutt community and feel like becoming a patron, we'd really appreciate it. Head over to patreon.com slash scuttlebutt. And until next time, remember, it's always sunny on Scarif with patrons like you. Hey, Star Wars fans and friends of the podcast, don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the scuttlebutt. So our second topic for the night on tonight's Citadel transmission or Citadel Tower transmission, uh, you know, let's uh, talk a little bit about Stormtroopers. Uh, My buddy and I were uh, discussing Stormtroopers, and it's funny because he was asking me, hey, how come the Stormtroopers can't hit anything? Aren't they supposed to be like the top level, top notch? I'm like, well, it's a long story, pal. (laughs) 
(laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's funny because it's twofold. Um, You know, behind the scenes, we understand, uh, you know, the uh, creatives, the directors who uh, kind of, you know, throw that in as kind of an in-joke. But now it's actually playing in-universe that Stormtroopers can't hit. Um, But uh, let me ask you this question. So... Again, going back to A New Hope, uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Luke Skywalker find those Jawas that are uh, dead and destroyed. And he says only Imperial Stormtroopers are that precise. Was Ben pulling Luke's chain? What do you guys think? So I guess my my in-universe answer to this is that it has to do with the phasing out of, of clones and and bringing in recruits Hmm. who, you know, the clones had so much preparation. Mm -hmm. And so as far as we know, it's, it's canon. It's just like when you have anything like that, you know, it's, you have to look at the whole picture. As far as we know right now, the last time that Obi-Wan had anything to do with Imperial troopers, they were clones. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And who were killing machines. Sure, they were good. They were good shots. They were trained, like you said. You know, they're they're created. They were the perfect soldier. They went and found this, you know, perfect you know, warrior out there and created copies of him and then trained them from childhood to be soldiers. So you're you're really getting something more along the line of you know, it is a parallel in our real world, the Spartans. Right. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're they're trained for it. They're bred for it. It's what they live for. And and so I think that by the time you take on real stormtroopers and you're taking in recruits and you're you're having to take on more and more and more as your military grows, I don't even know know what the logistics of training that many soldiers would be. And so in your in by that time you're at war. So you're cranking, you're you're churning out troops and sending them to sending them to the front line as fast as you can. So my assumption is that as the war wages on, that troops probably become less effective. Yeah, it seems like uh, you know, they just recruit, they hand you a helmet and a suit and uh pat you on the butt and and send you on your uh, on your way. And I mean, some of them clearly are very well trained. You know, there, there's a, it seems to be a pretty big pool of talent, you know, uh, a pretty big disparity, you know, like some of them, it's just like, all right, you know, here's, you know, some of them, it's like, did they even go to boot camp? Um, but also, you know, some of it, you, especially like in A New Hope, like they let them leave, yeah. right? They, they, they. Some of some of that incompetence was a sham, right? Um, and and again, Vader's not above playing games, right? You know, I don't. I have a hard time believing that Vader's personal troopers that are on his star destroyer are that incompetent. And clearly, some of them are. But I think that he is. Yank, I think Vader's the one who's yanking people's chain. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are times where we see stormtroopers, like the first time we ever see stormtroopers when they're boarding Leia's ship, they're mm-hmm. pretty effective. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, um, a lot of it just stems from the fact that our, 
our main characters are wearing such heavy plot armor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly. like, you know, there's so much of that where we, you know, in the first three movies, we don't lose any main characters mm-hmm. to stormtroopers. And, you know, it's kind of like you go back to what Whedon says. If your main, if your big characters can't die, then what are the stakes? Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes people have to die to make things seem more real. And, yeah, obviously, for the type of story we're telling, you're, you're, those characters are wearing that plot armor. For a and good it reason. Makes the, it makes the bad guys seem more incompetent. Yeah, absolutely. But, but Rogue One gave us another view into this, where our stormtroopers are just kind of most, are really our grunts. Mm-hmm. And we've got these death troopers over here who are everything that Obi-Wan describes. Right. And, uh, you know, Rogue One really introduced us to some really great variant stormtroopers. Like you mentioned, the Death Troopers, and obviously uh, our favorite here on Scarif, the Shore Troopers. Um, You know, stormtroopers, for me, stormtroopers are pretty cool. And you're right. The Death Troopers are the ones that have uh, the the extra skill because you've got Krennic, who has a team of of, uh, Dark Troopers uh, with him, Death Troopers. And uh, they're the ones uh, that really, you know, are pulling their weight uh, when it comes to, you know, the, the, the imperial might and, and the military. Um, and you're absolutely right. I think by the time the Empire is really kind of at its height, you've got just recruits with, with uniforms that are, aren't uh, really trained. And obviously we see a little bit of that uh, now, even in The Mandalorian. Um, where, you know, even the equipment is faulty and, you know, tongue, tongue in cheek, they're kind of blaming the, uh, the faulty, you know, um, laser, uh, the, the guns. Um, and it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny thing, like outside the universe, inside the universe, I think as a, as a fan or as a, as a person who kind of takes Star Wars probably a little more serious than the next guy, it's, to me, it's, it's a little annoying, <laughs> Because I want, mm. I really want stormtroopers to be like really top notch, you know, fighters the way that uh, right. clone troopers are. Um, but I, I, I understand the the plot armor device and uh, what it all entails. Pretty funny though. So let me ask you a quick question: What uh, do you guys prefer, stormtroopers or clone troopers? As target practice. <laughs> uh- <laughs> For me, it always it all goes back to that first interaction with Star Wars, and so really, it's I, I love the look. I love everything about the stormtroopers. Um, as far as soldiers, I think that you say that yeah, the clones were the superior trooper as far as the ones you want fighting beside you, um, just because of the sheer amount of training and, and preparation they had and. But which one am I going to buy miniatures of to put on my Christmas tree? Absolutely. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that the Stormtrooper, the the original trilogy Stormtrooper, is the most iconic. Mm-hmm. I'd have to agree. Far. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, the, when new toys come out, you know, I kind of skip uh, a lot of the new stuff. But if companies happen to release, uh, you know, an original trilogy Stormtrooper um, mm-hmm. figure or whatever. I mean, my my head is, is on a swivel. I'll do a double take mm-hmm. and really think about uh, getting it. So uh, I absolutely agree that uh, it's one of the most iconic 
you know, figures next to Darth Vader uh, of uh, mm-hmm. of what Star Wars yeah. really represents, the first thing that comes to mind. So I, I would have to agree with you guys. Yeah, I mean, very iconic. And I mean, you even go back to the early Macquarie art where the early versions of, you know, the the early versions of the the Macquarie art and the the light you know the fact that the stormtroopers had lightsabers right. and uh, you know just every iteration of that original stormtrooper is just very very iconic in film. And I'm so glad that uh, we were able to see variants uh, like I mentioned earlier in Rogue One uh, and even Solo. You've got some brand new looking stormtroopers in that film as well. So uh, it's. Uh, uh, quite apparent that you know Lucasfilm you know loves to give us new things and obviously merchandising merchandising and more merchandising never hurts all right guys thank you very much for joining us on this Citadel Tower transmission version of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast with my good friends the folks over at Coruscant Radio Underground my favorite podcast with the initials cru in it awesome guys thank you so much (laughs) what do you guys have uh, coming up i know uh you just dropped uh, an episode but uh what's next for crew uh we did and we'll cut an episode here coming up we we want to have a chance to talk about all of the the news that dropped on investor day at at disney so we'll, we'll talk about all the we did a marvel episode on science fictionary but we still need to do one talk about all the Star Wars news. And uh, on Science Fictionary, we're going to start the year off by jumping back into uh, one of our Pillars series. We're going to do the Pillars of Action Adventure. Oh, awesome. So we're, we're getting into that. We're really excited about that one. And then Marisha's got an episode I'll let her tell you a little bit about uh, that she's planning with a uh, couple of our other podcast friends. Huh? Yeah, we've got um, Natalie and Michelle from Forces of Light and Jessica from uh, Dark Saber Light, and we're going to talk Leia. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited to get to do that. I haven't actually... The last time I think we actually talked about Leia at any real length was um, whenever we did it with y'all. Wow. That's been a little... It's not been a little bit. It's like 16 months ago. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere there. It's been a while, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, so that'll be... That'll be, um, I think we'll record that the first week of January. So it should be out the middle of January sometime. Excellent. Looking forward to that one. That's awesome. All right, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. And uh, our listeners, if you guys want to drop us a voicemail, head on over to your phone, I guess, and give us a call at 773 773- 234-8659 drop us a voicemail let us know what is on your mind say hello say uh, goodbye whatever you want to say we uh, will play it on the air if you have a topic for us to talk about we'll also uh, talk about that and uh, we'll let you know how it goes we'll drop you in a future show uh, Marisha, Andrew uh, tell folks where they can find you yeah the easiest place to find us is at crew underscore podcast on twitter that's c-r-u underscore podcast and uh, you can also check out our website thesciencefictionary.com uh, we post articles there occasionally and both podcasts are available there on the site yep excellent you can find me on instagram i am princesses underscore and underscore padawans and i am p padawans on twitter Fantastic. And I think what the world needs more is more pictures of your beautiful kids wearing Scarif Scuttlebutt podcast t-shirts. So 
I'm waiting for that. We could probably arrange that. Yes, we could. In fact, every usually they, they like to coordinate. So typically if one of them comes out, then they all come out with matching. So I have to make sure we get a picture next time. That is awesome. Thank you very much, guys. Again, this is Ro from the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>